Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into an M&G investment trust. It's going to be the M&G Credit Income Investment Trust. We're going to be discussing the dividend. It's a particularly attractive dividend for income investors. We're going to be looking at what drives that dividend, how it's grown over the last year. And then we're going to be drilling down into the individual constituents of the portfolio and looking at the portfolio construction and how that's evolved over the last year, as well as the outlook over the next 12 months. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by Adam English, who is the fund manager of the M&G Credit Income Investment Trust. Adam, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Before Before we get into it and we start getting into the meat of the trust, Adam, please would you be able to give us a brief introduction, first of all, to yourself and and then the trust, please. Yes, of course. So I've been um, a portfolio manager, a fund manager at M&G for 24 years now and uh, looking at fixed income assets. I've been looking at the uh, Credit Income Investments Trust since its launch in 2018. Um, I think what I should say about my role is I've got a relatively unique role within M&G that I look across public and private assets. And this is something I've been doing in my job previously to the Investment Trust, um, where I've been managing money for the internal clients, the insurance money within M&G, where I've been looking across both public and private asset classes. And so I'm really bringing that expertise that I have have brought to the the insurance clients to to the investors with in the Credit Income Investment Trust. So that's just a bit of background to myself. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the, the trust, if I may. Um, the, the, the trust, the Credit Income Investment Trust, is a um, is designed to provide an attractive income with a relatively stable net asset value. So let, let, let me go into that in some detail. The, the income is a floating rate. So it is based upon a, uh, a an index Sonia, which is closely related to the Bank of England base rates. And we pay a dividend rate of Sonia plus four percent, and in in this market, um, that's around nine point two percent a run rate. So Sonia is around five point two percent, and and that we're adding that four percent to that to, to give that nine point two percent dividend. And the, re- the reason we do that, do that is we've got an underlying portfolio of Sonia linked assets, floating rate assets, and we're just passing through the earnings we get from the interest payments on those underlying assets, and to to pay out that that floating rate dividend. You touched on the on the, on the dividend uh, policy. I mean, just as a question, Adam, what's the what's the current yield at the moment? How's that evolved this year? Of course, we've seen the Bank of England base rate increase pretty much every month over the last year. So, is this a a steady increase, uh, dead in line with with the increase in in the base rate? Is there any variability? How often do you do you actually pay? The, the the dividend and how's that changed maybe over the last few years? So we we pay the dividends at a uh, we take we pay quarterly dividends at a rate of Sonia plus four percent. 
So Sonia has been increasing, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, a couple of years ago, Sonia was was practically zero. So as Sonia has increased, uh, so has our dividend. So our dividend has has increased uh, substantially from from just over a four percent level. I think the trailing um, uh, dividend level is just over eight percent right now. And as I said, uh, given where the current Sonia level is, the the run rate uh, dividend is 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 uh, closer to nine point two percent right now. So we we we're just. As, as I said earlier, just just passing through the the, uh, the the Sonia rate increases, which is what we're getting on the underlying assets uh, to to our shareholders. So, in in terms of the portfolio, I think it'd be good if we now moved on to to, to that, Adam, if we, if we may. So, you, you mentioned there that you have assets which are linked to Sonia in terms of their yield. What, I mean, what do they actually look like? I mean, how diverse is the, the portfolio, what types of underlying assets are you, are you investing in? Is it companies? Is it government bonds? Um, what does that portfolio look like? So they, the, the, the underlying portfolio is uh, a fixed income portfolio. So it is, um, it, and it's uh, largely corporate. So it, it will be lending to corporations. Um, I think it's very important to add, the, this is an investment grade portfolio as well. So that means it's it's slightly uh, lower in credit risk, uh, less likely to suffer um, payment issues and defaults than, than a more risky high yield portfolio. And I think, I should add this sets it uh, this portfolio apart from other investment trusts because it is the only investment grade investment trust out there. So that that is a key differentiator, just the risk profile here. So what 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 we're doing is we have we're lending to investment grade corporations, generally on floating rate terms, so we can get the benefit of the increase in in base rates and Sonia as they come through into our income. Thank you. So. You know, there's been a lot happening out there in the fixed income markets over the last 12 months, Adam. You know, in terms of how you've been adjusting the portfolio to reflect what's happening out there in the market, are there any additions that you've made to the portfolio over the last 12 months that particularly excite you? Yes, I, I think um, I think I should 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 mention also the the other key differentiator we have in this portfolio is is it is looking at um, private and illiquid assets, and these tend to pay more and than than um, public assets, and this is why we're able to pay this very attractive, I think, of an attractive dividend here, and it would compare very well to an investment grade portfolio of public assets. So the assets which are exciting are these uh, are these private assets. Um, I, I, I could give you a, an example of, of a very attractive asset we have in the portfolio, and that is um, a, a student um, loan facility um, that we have in the portfolio. This has been uh, sitting there in the portfolio um, pretty much since inception, um, but it's really come into its own um, recently. And I'll, and I'll give you a, a little bit of an explanation why. So what we're doing is we're um, that the uh, the government sold off um, a tranche of uh, student loans back in 2018. Uh, these are based upon student loans which were written uh, in the 2000s. Um, we bought a, a, a B tranche, which is a, a slightly subordinated tranche. Um, but the reason we did that is that uh, these um, these uh, student loans are gradually being paid down, which improves our position within within um, the capital structure, improves our, our, our credit position. 
Um, so we think this is a great piece of, of lending, but what is really nice about it is it pays a return of RPI plus 1.45%. And as you're uh, no doubt aware, RPI has been increasing substantially. So at the last reset date, our, uh, the RPI um, was at 13%. And that's, um, that 13% plus the 1.45% means it's paying um, close to 15% um, yield for a very strong investment grade, triple um, B plus rated piece of paper. And I'd say that's must be the best risk return you can, you'll, you'll see in the fixed income markets today. Fantastic. So my understanding would be, Adam, this is a fairly low turnover trust in, in terms of the, the holdings that you have there. I mean, has that at all been impacted by what's been happening with the base rates, not only here in the UK, but of course, across the world? And, you know, may over the next 12 months, if we start to see interest rates plateaued, would that spur some activity within the holdings? Um, I think I, I think that would be. Um, I, I don't think it would spur a, a great deal of additional activity. I think the the policy in this uh, portfolio is to gradually add performance um, when we see good opportunities, and we'll continue to do that um, as 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 opportunities are presented to us. Um, I, th- I think uh, in terms of the interest rates, um, I should say I I, I agree with you that uh, they they they're there may be another increase in um, base rates from the Bank of England, but I don't think they will be reducing them uh, very quickly um, because I think there are still inflationary pressures within the economy. Um, clearly, uh, oil prices are increasing rapidly right now. As they approach $100, that's going to create further inflation headache for the Bank of England, um, which is likely to maintain this uh, the, the issue of having base rates higher for longer, which definitely helps the dividends um, on this investment trust. So ju- just so people and this is uh, are clear, Adam, on, on how this trust works, you know, if if into the future we start to see that the base rates come down, and you know, there's no suggestion that's going to happen anytime soon, but would that naturally mean that the dividend yield of the the trust comes down, and maybe the value of some of the underlying holdings in, increase. I mean, how does that dynamic work, and how what does that look like going forward? So, um, yes, if if base rates do decline, then the dividend rate will decline also, um, because these are floating rate assets. Um, we don't have that interest rate sensitivity. So, g- generally, in a fixed income asset, if if the uh, interest rates go up, the price goes down, um, and vice versa. Um, because these are largely floating rate assets in this portfolio, that doesn't happen. So the the the, um, the 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 pricing will maintain largely uh, largely similar as the as the as the um, uh, the the income varies according to the variability in base rates. Thank you. So I just want to move on now and discuss the discount, if we if we may, Adam, because it is a fairly unique trust, as, as you said at the beginning. So it's very difficult to make some comparisons to to other trusts out there. But it's around five percent at the moment, from my understanding. I mean, what does that look like historically? You know, I know that there's a lot of private assets out there, and if you make some comparisons to to other investment trusts that focus on private assets, they have huge discounts uh, at the moment. So that five percent is commendable compared to to some of those. But you know, to add some context to listeners that are looking at it and looking at the five percent discount at this point in time, what does that look like historically for 
for the trust and and what do MG do in terms to manage that hmm. that five percent discount? Um, in 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 history, um, the five percent is is about the as high as the discount has has been historically. It's it's varied between uh between premiums and discounts, and as I said, the discount has generally um never exceeded five percent since the board's put in place a discount and premium management policy, and that uh policy is to maintain the um, the share price within a relatively narrow bounds of the net asset value. Um, so you'll see, looking back historically, when there is a, a, a larger discount uh, than than we're currently at, then we generally are buying shares in the market. And if there's a larger premium, also we'll be selling shares into the market. So we, we try to keep the discount and premium within a relatively narrow range around the net asset value. Thank you. So just a question here on, on how reactionary that the trust was. And we did obviously discuss a little bit about how how the portfolio is put together. But in terms of events, for example, the banking crisis that we saw earlier this year or, or, or mini crisis, was that type of event one that you could look at as one that provided opportunities for for the trust oh, oh very much so um we we are very keen to run a somewhat counter cyclical approach in this trust so we we tend to run with relatively low risk when uh, spreads uh, when when credit is expensive, and we we um, we tend to add risk when it's when it's looking more attractive. It seems a relatively obvious thing to do, but it's actually quite difficult to do in practice. We have um, a lot of flexibility. We have a um, a, um, a gearing facility, which we generally keep undrawn, um, but at times of of uh, great volatility, we draw upon that in order to take advantage of market volatility. So um, a great example was the the mini crisis of last year under um, Liz Truss's short um, uh, premiership, um, that's led to very significant volatility in sterling assets. And uh, we we thought that was a great opportunity to be buying very nice quality investment grade sterling assets at historically attractive levels. So we were drawing upon that credit facility then uh, to buy a lot of these assets, um, which were which which have since performed extraordinarily well. So we um, we we bought them back back uh, at the time of the mini crisis, generally selling them down earlier this year to book some very nice profits. Fantastic. So to finish off with now, Adam, just looking ahead over the next 12 months, what are the potential events and potential opportunities that excite you the most for for the trust that you'd like to take advantage of? Right. I think think the first thing I'd say is uh, excitement can be what keeps you up at night, actually. So so I think what I'm trying to describe to you is a portfolio which which shouldn't be doing that. I think what we're we're trying to do is provide um, a low volatility in the net asset value with an attractive income. but the, the the excitement comes from having the flexibility to take advantage of these episodes of volatility, and I'm sure there are going to be more. We haven't seen the last of them. We, as you, we mentioned, there was the mini budget um, crisis. There was the mini uh, f- uh, financials crisis earlier this year. I'm pretty sure there's going to be more events like this. And so the important thing is to maintain the flexibility to be able to take advantage of these as they're presented to ourselves. And I think that's really where where the excitement is going to be coming from in the next 12 months. That's great, Adam. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us today. Great. Thank you very much.
Thank you. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. If anybody listening would like to get some further information on the M&G Credit Income Investment Trust, do check out the notes to this podcast. There'll be a link through to their website. We'll be able to download the latest fact sheet and go through some of those statistics that we discussed today. So once more, Adam, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.